0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is a new approach to small parcel with my friend Tyler Abderholden. Tyler is the vice president of Network North America at Sendel, a convenient, affordable, and carbon-neutral shipping solution. A common theme on my podcast is the need for more small parcel shipping options. Sendle may just be the small parcel provider you're looking for, so check out my conversation with Tyler. So, how's it going, Tyler? It's Good to be here, Joe. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Tyler, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
1: Sure. Tyler Abderholden. I work with Sendle. Sendle is a Australian-based, uh, 100% carbon-neutral small parcel business. We work in Australia, the United States, and Canada. We started about eight or nine years ago, launched in the United States in 2019, and have been growing to create new solutions for really the small eat retailers in the small parcel business space in the United States. I'm calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the good land right, uh, right on Lake Michigan, where I call home. And uh, like I said, it's good to be here.
0: I've got lots of family over there in Wisconsin, in cheese country. It's a wonderful state. And now I would say it's very similar to Michigan and you just have to go through Illinois to get here. (laughs) Anyway, I want to clarify this because before we hit record, I I was trying to clarify for myself. When you say small parcel, that's like UPS, that's like FedEx. That's usually who we think of. I know DHL does some of that. And then there's a million, what I'll call, not million. Dozens and dozens of last mile delivery companies. And it seems as if this category is blurred. So when we say a new approach to small parcel, this is not to be mistaken necessarily with the last mile delivery companies. Am I right to say that?
1: Yeah, I think that's correct to say. When
0: we say a new approach, it's you know, how do you get the the
1: best value from all of those different variable pieces that you just described from the existing national carriers to regional carriers to last mile carriers. How do you get the best value proposition from all of them and be able to create a singular product and service offering that supports the the, the small parcel business? That is essentially, if we, we start and say, what is Sendel's goal? It's how can we create a service proposition that rivals anything you would imagine in the national carrier brands? And we can compose that through software and technology to optimize variable regional carriers, national carriers, uh, last mile carriers to create a cohesive uh, end-to-end service offering that covers the entirety of the United States.
0: Yep. And I've talked to a lot of people lately about small parcel, but it's so important. And I'll, I'll point this out. When I was in automotive, if you looked at, and I think it's probably the same, automotive does a lot of inbound logistics to their locations, right? Right most of it's truckload or less than truckload. And I think they would say it's, depending on the company, five or 10% of revenue is spent on logistics. Now you move over to an e-commerce company, it's much higher. I've heard people say it's 20% of revenue. And so if you're an e-commerce company or a retailer that's all of a sudden finds yourself in this e-commerce business, the cost of small parcel shipping is critically important. It's the difference between success and failure.
1: Yeah, I think that's really well said. I would even say it could be higher than 20% in many instances, especially for really the, the customer the company that's not even out of their living room yet right If you think about the design or the, the phases that a company goes through from growth, right It's the living room, then it's the garage you're not yet even in the garage and you're trying to create whether it's a side hustle, an alternative. Uh, stream of income and you're solely focused on your product, your brand, which should dictate all of your time. But the reality is when you're trying, trying to create that product and service and 20 and 30 and 40% of potentially of your costs are going directly to shipping and logistics, you quickly have to learn that shipping is a big part of your cost structures and it requires a ton of your time and energy. And so what Sendl can do is try to alleviate those time commitments, that energy that you're putting into solving these these carriers and, and logistics solutions so that you can focus on your brand, your website, your identity, your product to help you grow from the living room to the garage, to a retail footprint, to a warehouse, and help you on that journey through success. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, very important. Very important. Who's the sweet spot for Sendl?
1: So we, we typically say that if you're shipping anything from one package a month, to a couple thousand packages a month. That's really what we would say is our target audience. When we look at trying to build solutions, create access points for account management, customer support, we look at that as our kind of our target profile, our ideal shipper. And those are the solutions we build for.
0: Love it, love it. So let's switch gears for a second. Tyler, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined Sendle.
1: Sure, I actually grew up outside of Madison, Wisconsin. I went to the UW, University of Wisconsin. And actually, I was a math major, really got my start in mathematics, graduated in the height of the recession in 2008, 2009. And there wasn't really a lot of mathematics opportunities at the time. Science and industry had pretty much shut down any investments. And I was fortunate enough to find a career at FedEx at a budding subsidiary of FedEx called SmartPost, which was a very much at the time a new entry, a new player into whatever happened uh, the logistics business. Funny you should ask. So they went through a, a couple iterations and right now have been mostly folded into the FedEx ground offering under the name ground economy. But really, a really interesting time to be working for FedEx. It's, was This is prior to Amazon really even entering the logistics space. And you can see quickly that the the model that FedEx Smart Post built was copied by Amazon, copied by UPS and SharePost and SmartPost. And it's all about trying to find ways to reduce costs. That was This was the birth of free shipping back in the early, late 2000s, early 2010s era
0: here. If I could throw something out there, and I said this a few sure. times on my podcast. There was a time, and probably around that time, kids, we didn't always have the internet. <laughs> and prior to the internet, we needed UPS and FedEx to ship documents. So if you had a mortgage, they would FedEx your, or UPS your, documents overnight from Chicago to Detroit or wherever that was being processed. And there was all sorts of paperwork that got shipped. And I remember when we started using the internet for things, emails and all of a sudden things started, documents started going on there. That was a big loss for those companies. And I remember people saying, I remember them saying, this is really going to hurt UPS and FedEx. Little did we know that the e-commerce was coming, but it was a weird time for them.
1: Yeah, the post office too, everything, all the payroll checks and all that was getting mailed out. Those were, it was booming times for those businesses. And it was really easy to focus on Express. It was really easy to focus on the priority mail and the letter business that the post office had. And it was by luck, by chance, the smart posts of the world really helped shine the light on what is this opportunity, this growing parcel business. It's easy to forget that I think it was a 2004 or 2006 at home delivery was started. At the time, even FedEx Ground didn't even think that delivering to investment. And I actually had uh, a, a printed copy of the initial home delivery business model, and it was they thought that they were going to be able to get uh, stay-at-home parents that drive minivans to deliver packages to homes. That was the business model. It was such a side hustle, even consider the, the original gig economy type design. And again, that in one day, that model was no longer sustainable as just the volumes were astronomical as companies started to shift to online and e-retail continued to grow. Yeah, it's come a long way in, to be where we are right now in a very mature uh, parcel business.
0: My mom always points this out. She's in her 80s. She says, like, yeah, I, um, I used to have my groceries delivered. That one <laughs> she goes a long time ago they delivered, and she goes, and the milkman had a route where he'd deliver milk and other stuff, and we had Schwans from Minnesota. They would deliver throughout the Midwest food. I think it started off with ice cream, but anyway, continue on with your career beyond smart post. Sure,
1: I was at Smart post for quite a few years before I moved over to FedEx Ground. Uh, I went to Chicago, helped support district engineering operations prior to managing the regional engineering operations for automated facilities for ground in the central and eastern region. Before I went back into the corporate office, my last role at FedEx was operations research, which was a great marriage of, I would say my mathematical background and the deep understanding of networks. So I supported the network operations research department. Our goals were some of the work around how to integrate smart post and FedEx ground, FedEx ground and FedEx home delivery, all the rebranding and efforts and so forth. And even some of the basis of the work that's now being brought to light, which is the integrations of the express and ground networks where opportunity presents itself, worked with a a really bright team of individuals, masters, PhD level operations, research scientists that helped uh, build uh, optimization models to, to prove out what was then theory of how. Uh, multiple networks can intermingle, do so efficiently and effectively, reduce costs, reduce overhead, maximize delivery density and things of that sort. But really had a great career at FedEx. Like I said, about spent about 12 or 13 years before I uh, took the jump to move to Sendil. Uh It was the right time for me to look for additional opportunities, stretch my wings. Um, and I was very fortunate to, to land in a, a role. Initially, it was a global head of network optimization, supporting both Australia and at the time, just the United States, as we were really uh, in our early growth stages in the United States, helping define what our network strategy would be. And by network, my LinkedIn messages would uh, identify that I, sh- I have a server stack in my basement and telecommunications people should be reaching out to me. Uh, it's not those networks. Um, it is rather uh, a multitude of carrier networks um, that uh, help support the the, the sendal services.
0: So when did you join? And then why did you join? You had a very good career at FedEx. Why would you, it must have been a decent opportunity for you to jump.
1: It was, and I would say it really falls down to relationships, probably most first and foremost. So I had an opportunity to come back to, to work with some people that I'd worked with at SmartPost years prior that I had a really fond experience with, and I very much looked up to these individuals. And so it was a great opportunity for me to reconnect. and and try to start something new, build something from scratch. It felt like we were building something that was going from, if I use software terminology, 2.0 to 2.1 to 2.2, iterative changes, which is essentially the model of any large organization, but go from 0.0 to 1.0 to 2.0 and really help build on that ground level, which was really analogous to the experience that I had at SmartPost, which was there was a million dollar opportunities everywhere you looked. We just couldn't allocate enough resources to solve all the problems. And so that was a very exciting time. I wanted to reconnect with some of those resources that had left FedEx years prior, joined Amazon, joined Walmarts, joined other, the retail side that were building out their carrier networks or like Amazon, building out Amazon logistics, and then had a chance to obviously work with them again and build something new that made sense for small business. And also to work for a company that I think very much aligned with my values. Sendel is a hundred percent carbon neutral. I, I remember hearing statistics that FedEx was the largest consumer of petroleum next outside of government. So I think the US military is the highest technically, but because of the fleet of airplanes and the vehicles and so forth that FedEx supports, I believe they're number two on that list in terms of consumers of, of fuel and gas. mean, it made sense for us to start looking at ways that we can strip out some of the carbon intensity from what is typically known as a pretty dirty industry, right? With all the cardboard and all the packaging, as well as all the fuel that is being expelled to deliver packages to your home? How can I work for a company to, to create great services, but also that mat, match my values um, around uh, being carbon neutral?
0: Yeah, there's so many consumers and so many brands that are making decisions based on environmental impact. And I think everybody's looking around. And I think if you look, 20% of of greenhouse gases are attributed to the supply chain and we all consume. So it's not, it's interesting that we're always saying, oh, I'm recycling or doing all these things that have a very marginal impact. If we all recycle, not much impact, but if we all get, if we can clean up the supply chain a little bit, we're going to do a lot better. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about this new approach to small parcel. So getting back to small parcel. I think when I think of small parcel, I think of UPS, obviously. I think of FedEx, obviously. I've always said there's regional carriers out there. So we have, we know of all these regional carriers that have always been out there, always been an option. I think there's probably two dozen. I don't know. There's probably a hundred. I don't know how many there are. They aren't always a good solution for everybody because they are regional. But if you look, a lot of times shipping, 20 30 percent are within one region so if you have a a location in california say hey i can deliver th- within my own maybe it's one day one day's uh transit so small parcel has had that for a long time and then oh my friends over at uh, tusk logistics they have a technology that's connected some of that so i see some of these new things coming but um for the most part, it's UPS, FedEx, and now we're starting to see companies say, there's gotta be a third and fourth option out there. We need more. And some FedEx, fantastic companies. We just are, this, this is August 1st we're talking. We just last week heard that UPS isn't going on strike. And by the way, people might say, oh, I don't care if they go on strike. That is an impact to our economy if they go on strike we can't afford that for our economic uh, health. So these guys, companies are critically important and will continue to be. So I think anybody who says, oh no, we'll just use so-and-so instead. There isn't an instead right now. Sendhil's gonna be one of those insteads, but we need those big dogs right now. Oh,
1: a- absolutely. I mean, the, the UPS strike is a lose-lose for everyone. I think the best thing that we can all learn from the risk of things like a UPS strike or really any outage, you can go back to, I think it was 27 in Europe, when TNT Express, which was purchased by FedEx, they were subject to one of those viruses, which essentially, it was one of the, the big financial ones, I think of 2000, I think it was called WannaCry, if I recall correctly, and completely eliminated, like eliminated software, right? So software that was required for sortation and so forth, and it took TNT offline. For days things were being very manually managed even companies that don't have i would say labor relations agreements that have contracts that come up anyone could be subject to a large outage and when so much of not only like you said the u.s economy is tied to the performance of ups but there's just not enough capacity it's hundreds of thousands of employees that support the ups volume you can't just turn on a dime and find a hundred thousands worth of employees worth of capacity and so it just doesn't exist and so really the losers would be you and me, who are technically, I would say, shareholders of the United States economy, right? We're participants in there. But also, if you're trying to ship your packages as the shipper, you, you lose as well, right? Your packages are going to get delayed. Uh, you have uncertainty. You're going to deal with disgruntled employee or, or recipients who don't understand uh, why their packages aren't showing up. Um, it would have been a lose. So the learnings I think that uh, a lot of shippers learned is carrier diversification is important. Having options, making sure that you protect yourself and create a little bit of capacity uh, into your own supply chain and your own carrier choices uh, to make sure that when a disruption may occur, and it may, that you are covered, that you have planned and so forth. The I have seen in the last couple of years, and as a math major and an engineer, this the concept of just-in-time inventory has started to fail. It, it is actually makes some sense now to have Uh, a balance of just-in-time as well as uh, access to reserves to make sure that you are prepared uh, for when these uh, volatile times occur. And they seem to be coming more and more, whether they're economically created volatile times, they're climate-created volatility, uh, which is a huge one that's going on right now. I mean, you look at the the heat waves in the United States, the floods, the super typhoons in Southeast Asia. I mean, all of these things are interconnected in supply chains, and all of them have an impact on our ability to, to maintain adequate supply chain, uh, and adequate capacity to supply this global industry that is logistics.
0: Yep. I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor and teach. Wreaths across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. Take a listen and please consider volunteering so getting back to it, I think also when if when we have uh if it, let's just say there was a prolonged strike with ups not only would it interrupt a lot of shipments but all it undermines the the trust that people have in a business segment. So all of a sudden somebody says, we don't do small parcel, or I'm sorry, we don't do e-commerce because you can't trust the small parcel carriers. We None of us want that. I will throw this out there. I'm an automotive guy originally. And I remember uh, it was a Honda project. And so we were a supplier and I remember somebody says, we're the second, we're the backup supplier. We had the capability to deliver a lot, but we were delivering very little because there was a, some other company that had the majority. It was interior trim stuff, plastics. And I remember I was like, why don't they just give it all to that company? Because that, that was out of a Karetsu thing where it's like that was part of their network. It was a Japanese company. And somebody says, yeah, but then they give us this much and keep us in the loop just in case there's something goes wrong with their main supplier, a tool breaks or whatever strikes that would be. And I was thinking, okay, that makes sense. So we've always see that as a supply chain. Let's build in some resilience if something goes wrong. And by the way, 08-09, you mentioned when the bankruptcies hit General Motors and Chrysler, there was a lot of companies that were impacted suppliers. But I remember certain suppliers would say, we have no more than one third of our business is automotive we won't take we will not let us become 80% automotive because there are shocks sometimes and so they diversified and those companies did well and if you look at logistics companies like I do smaller ones often have 40 50 60% of their customer or business is one customer and if something happens to them <laughs> way by so it makes just good supply chain sense to say UPS is great, FedEx is great, but let's round it out with some more options just in case. So that's the case for Sendle and probably a half dozen other companies similar to Sendel. Yeah,
1: and I like the, the hard part I think is it, it's a strategy that the, the largest retailers, the enterprise shippers that are out there have employed, right? a lot of them are not single carrier, right? They might be 50-50, split between FedEx or UPS, or a mix of postal, a mix of FedEx, and and essentially establish relationships and contracts with all those different carriers. And when you're shipping hundreds of thousands of packages a month, you probably have a, a, a team, a logistics team that supports that function, that supports those contracts, those relationships. But when you're the founder, the brand manager, the marketing manager, the logistics manager, the supply chain manager, and you're one person, right? And it's just not a luxury that time affords you with, right? So being able to leverage a platform like Sendle that inherently gives you that diversification and gives you that, that trust that if there are disruptions, that we will continue to divert and find ways to make sure that services are continually provided. And knowing that all of our packages uh, are backed with not only customer support for end-to-end, that means not only for the shipper, but the recipient, uh, as well as that 100% carbon neutral value proposition that we'll always provide. You know that gives the customer a lot of trust, a lot of confidence that you know they're going to be taken care of. You know when and if disruption occurs.
0: How are you guys care, uh, carbon neutral? You Still have people have to pick those up and drive them off. So how are you making that happen?
1: So a couple of ways. So we are a certified B Corp. So we do extensive auditing. So B Corps are something that I wasn't necessarily that familiar with personally prior to joining Sendle, but. It, 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 written into our bylaws at, as a company that we have to exist more than just to return value to shareholders but rather we have to exist for a purpose and that purpose is for the environmental causes that we support we also work with some world-leading businesses that help us audit our supply chain audit our carbon intensity across all of our suppliers that's inclusive of uh, how much our employees commute we're 100 remote right now but we do have to travel at times to, to meet up so we actually even audit the carbon intensity of office space, computers, um, all of that as goes into our auditing system to determine what we need to do to offset that impact. Being a, just carbon neutral isn't enough. Uh, we're also on a path to net zero, which means we continue to work with our, our suppliers, our carriers, the partners that we work with to do the physical handling of packages, pick them up, drive them and so forth to find ways to reduce uh, the carbon intensity, move packages off planes onto trucks would be one step. Uh, going further from using you know, carbon—excuse internal combustion engines into electri- electrification of fleets, how do we source that tech- that energy, whether that's through solar, wind, or obviously trying not to be coal and things of that sort. But we work with all of our providers to audit their supply chains, uh, to make sure that we are doing everything we can on a daily basis to reduce the intensity and make sure that we're always offsetting the pot if necessary.
0: Yep. So I know, I think there's a few B Corps that I've had on my podcast, Flack Freight's a B Corp. I think there's a company called Crystal Creek Logistics or Silver Creek Logistics. One of those, they got bought by Lineage. I interviewed them. It's rare, and it's interesting. I've talked to Oren Zaslansky from Flock Freight, and he says initially when he went to see the B Corp people, they're like, oh, no, you're, you're part of the problem. And he said, well, first off, all of you are wearing clothes and living indoors, so let me assume that you are participating in the supply chain that... um and so he made the case that we're going to do a better job on that. And so it's, I, I sometimes say we we get very high and mighty about our usage of stuff. We all want to live indoors, especially those in the Midwest. <laughs> it gets cold over here or hot and we all want air conditioning, but we have to start looking for ways to be less environmental impact. And by the way, my one of my daughters went to school and got a degree in sustainable business. <clears throat> And she would, in short, she would describe it as good for people, good for the planet, good for profits. And it has to be all three. And she said, when you go to that school, she went to Aquinas. I think that's the first undergrad degree in sustainability, sustainable business, I should say. And what was interesting is she said, people would always come up with these ideas that were really good for people, really good for the planet, but no profit. And then the professors would always point out. That's great if you're losing $100 million over the next five years and you're going to go out of business and the next people who replace you aren't going to have your same values, which is, that's the problem. So we have to keep all three in in, in mind and I think it's a worthy challenge, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, it, I, I like why you said it's, it's about being part of the solution. We want to influence. It's not just we are part of a problem. We want to be able to influence the industry and we celebrate and cheer when we see some services that like for instance ups has offered are can be carbon neutral we've seen some services that canada post has offered so there there's there's definitely change that's happening in the industry right it's there's not just it's not just talk anymore and then i, I the economies thing is important too right it's it is now cost effective to to electrify so it's no longer about this is really expensive to complete electrify a fleet. There are distinct challenges to be solved. How do we store enough energy? How do we supply enough energy to to large fleets of vehicles in a small footprint that takes massive amounts of energy to be consumed at a a small amount of time? Those are the problems that need to be solved, but the the cost economics are on the side of sustainability. So that's great to see. And we're going to start to see that transition. The post office very likely will be one of the largest electric fleets in the world, uh, at the US, USPS. Um, so again, applaud those industry uh, advancements. I hope that Sendel has had an influence uh, on some of those decisions and, and that would be uh, fulfilling uh, our values.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I just talked to the a guy from the propane education research. So we're going to research center and he's He's talking about the use of propane. We're seeing it more in b- buses and certain, for sure, last mile. And it's also, I think Cummings came out with a big truck engine that takes either diesel or propane. And I look forward to talking to them. I haven't talked to them yet. But propane, it, it gets uh, overlooked but because it, it's a natural, it's a fossil fuel, but it's much cleaner. And by no means is electric going to be the whole answer. We know that. It's also interesting. I, I a friend of mine just said, "Oh, China's way ahead of us on electric vehicles." I was like, "Yeah, but their grid is sixty some percent coal, so it's almost like we get to this like a a clean energy, like a green energy laundering, like because we burned that coal, but it became electricity that that, that all that coal is forgiven." And so we're going to have to figure this out over time, but I think we're on that path of what, what makes sense.
1: Yeah, we're, I, this is a road of many steps. All of the little steps will add up to a lot of steps in the future. We just ought to take the courage to make that first step. Interesting you mentioned some of the propane. I've actually had a chance to chat with some folks that provide some of the mobile, like the mobile liquid natural gas and uh, mobile fuel stations. And they're actually investing in mobile electric chargers as well. So now you also have the ability for on four wheels to move a bank of batteries with electric charging stations to go drive into a yard with with trucks or vans and charge them all at the same time. So at the same pace, there's there's an industry, there's a market out there for it. There's creative solutions that are being devised that are fitting that market need. And these small solutions will add up to something bigger. And it's exciting.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I watch Peter Zion. Guys, if you don't watch his YouTube channel, you really should. He wrote, he's the author, of the book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, talks about a lot of our supply chain issues. But one of the things he talks about is Texas is going to be great for solar, great for wind. Now, you move to the where we live. I was just talking to you, if you were in Wisconsin or on Michigan, the other side of the lake, We don't get nearly as much sunshine as Wisconsin does. So you guys might be okay, a little more solar, but solar for the most part doesn't work in the Northeast and the Midwest, nearly as well as it works in the Southwest. So we're going to have a million different solutions. And I think just having the, and by the way, one of the things I think is really important is consumers are deciding to do this. So every once in a while, someone will say, I don't even believe in greenhouse gases and I don't believe that humans are changing the, the environment. I say, to me, I don't care. Customers want it. (laughs) If your customer said, I want it, you give it to them. It's like somebody says, I'm the customer. I really like good customer service. You don't say, no, I disagree with that. You either create it or you either want to do it or you don't. Like big companies are looking for this from us. So it's Flock Freight. I think it was Crystal Creek or whatever, Silver Creek Logistics. When I talk to those people, they say, we get business because of that. People are looking for green solutions. So when you're when the head of some, vice president of supply chain says, go get me some go get me some green solutions and you can bring something that's quantifiably more green than the other alternatives, you win that business. We're all looking for that edge right now. So get green, fellas.
1: (laughs) And I, I think there's a common misconception, too, that the green revolution, right, that it's all built on subsidies. You brought up Texas. Texas has one of the highest percent of energy is created by renewables. That is definitely not a state that subsidized that development. It's all been economic based. It's made sense to move to renewable energy. It's not only good for the, like you said, for the sustainable business. It's not only good for the environment, but it's good for the balance sheets at the end of the month, and it's a sound investment strategy. So we have turned a page from having to heavily subsidize the transition to now it just makes sense to do so. It's economically feasible, and it's the right thing to do. And that makes that should make everyone happy about the, having to make those investments and choices.
0: Yeah. And I've said this before in my podcast, but I've talked to Walmart on my podcast years ago when I was still moving stuff. I did a lot of less than truckload stuff, and we were moving solar panel brackets, the big ones, the industrial ones. And we are moving them to Walmart. So Walmart's got solar panels on all of the locations that make sense. So solar doesn't make sense for every state in the union. But also, and this is because people always rip on Walmart. They go there and they buy their stuff, but they rip on them. Walmart said to a lot of the CPGs, the soap companies, hey, this detergent is 85% water, make it concentrated. So when all those, and what, what Walmart said is we're sick and tired of driving water around in all of our trucks. You're costing us extra money, but you're also hurting the environment. I think those are the kind of solutions. You don't have to be green to say, I would like to save money on trucks. But if I can eliminate thousands of trucks per year, I don't have to. I don't have to make the case that that's good for the environment. <laughs> the boss says, "Save that money." <laughs> Anyways, so let's talk about this new approach to small parcel. Um, if I wanted to work with Sendle, explain how this works. Are you got? Do you operate just like the existing UPS or FedEx? Or are you slightly different?
1: Yeah, a lot of it's the same. You can. There's a bunch of different channels that you can go to, to, to sign up with Sendel. You can go to sendle.com and sign up and make an account. There's no charges. There's no hidden fees. There's no subscriptions. And you can be printing labels and shipping packages with Sendel today. But we also partner with a bunch of great businesses and platforms that are out there that have shipping aggregator platforms that can provide you rates with us or FedEx, or Sendle is accessible on many, if not all of uh, most of those shipping platforms. Our goal is to make it very easy, frictionless, really. If there's a an independent solution that adds value to, let's say, whether it's inventory management or supply chain management for different sides of your business that we can tie into, and to say, hey, we can add the shipping services as well to that product solution. Excellent. That's uh, we want. We want to spend that time to build that relationship and partner with websites like ShipStation and EasyPost and all those players that are providing other value to small businesses. We want to work with the. Any like website management, the Shopify's of the world, anywhere that essentially small businesses are, are are putting their time and energy to build their brand identity and access to their products and services. Sendle wants to be uh, directly accessible on any and all of those platforms and services to make it seamless and frictionless uh, for the small business to quickly get up and running with whether it's a side hustle or a dedicated business that's your full-time job, we want to make sure that's really simple and easy for you to do. Many different channels and ways to access the Sendle services.
0: I don't use any of those systems right now, but if I had say ShipStation, are you guys already one of the options in ShipStation?
1: Yeah, you can bring your you can bring your account to ShipStation. So we have an API integration to ShipStation, allows you to go use the ShipStation platform for your all of your business services that ShipStation provides value to, and then directly tie into the shipping services that Sendle provides. That's correct
0: so now do you also work with like there's a lot of third-party logistics company warehousing and fulfillment companies do you work directly with them
1: there are some yeah there's a lot of them like you mentioned i'm sure we don't work with all of them but we do work with them when it's possible and just like they're providing a in-house software system for anyone that's doing fulfillment out of that warehouse to select a carrier we want to be accessible uh, on that platform. We do work with some 3PL fulfillment companies that, that have dedicated software and platforms. We have a platform program essentially is how we've structured it. So similar to like how UPS has a DAP program or the post office has their connect e-commerce program. We have our own digital partner platform program, and it makes it really easy for us to establish a relationship and work on the, the integrated connections between Sendle's platform and the third party platform.
0: Yeah. One of the challenges in third party logistics, whether you're a freight broker or 3PL or a warehousing and fulfillment company is usually if you're winning business from an established company, they already were, had it somewhere else. And so you're bidding for that new business. And if they say, yeah, I've spent this much on small parcel shipping last year with UPS and this much with FedEx, you're not going to win that business unless you can prove give them a sense that I'm going to save you some money. So having other options like the sendle option potentially gives you an opportunity to say, Hey, we'll save you some money because you guys are going to have slightly, you're going to have different prices than UPS and FedEx. And I think one way to look at what you're doing is I'll save you money on some shipping. I'll, I'll, I'll about as a third option. Another way to look at it, if you're a warehousing and fulfillment business is, You'll give me the op- opportunity to win more business because I'm not going to win it if I don't have a solution that's probably a little lower. I, to be honest, I don't think I've ever won business in the logistics space without being lower. <laughs> you can say, We're higher quality and we're good guys. United you know, to work with us. They're like, Save us some money. And we'll work with you. <laughs> Am I right to say
1: that? That's fair. And again, to go back to how we started, right? With shipping and logistics cost being 25% of your business, everyone's looking for a way to save money. If you were shipping a product, think that white glove, like appliances or really expensive items, shipping becomes a much smaller percentage, even though it might be a very large item. The cost of shipping is a much smaller percentage of the total cost of goods. And so in, in those businesses, it makes sense to optimize your manufacturing process, reduce costs and the cost of the goods, not necessarily reduce costs in shipping. And maybe that's a business that wants to say, hey, how do I get a higher value? And that, Again, get into white glove, get all across the threshold and control room type dispatching for those white glove delivery services that are going to deliver appliance into your room and hook it up and so forth. But when you're you're talking about a business that says, hey, Pennies are important. They're impactful in us being able to remain profitable and continue to invest in the brand marketing and the identity of that business. Sendels invested in finding ways to reduce costs. So we are very much acknowledging that costs are are king in a lot of ways, and we need to find ways to offset those costs for that business.
0: Yep. I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Greenscreens. That's greenscreens.ai. Greenscreens is a dynamic pricing technology for the truckload spot market that delivers buy and sell-side market intelligence to help brokers and 3PLs grow and protect their margins. Freight brokers and 3PLs using green screens gain the following advantages. Faster pricing for both buy-side and sell-side transactions. Pricing that is more accurate and more likely to win profitable business. Guys, dynamic pricing is the next killer app. Hundreds of freight brokers are already using it because it enables them to develop faster, more accurate quotes. This is the time. Check out green screens in the show notes, greenscreens.ai. So getting back to it, I know you were founded on Australia and now you're doing business in Australia. Mm -hmm. You're doing business in the US Mm -hmm. and Canada. Is that the three markets right now? I take it you're going to continue to grow?
1: That's the goal. Absolutely. We think we have a value proposition that is replicable. It's not just about saying we want to be another market entry. We want to say there's, like you said, dozens, there's, there's a a ton of potential alternatives that are out there, but none of them that are so interconnected that we create a a singular service proposition that's connected by most importantly, I think our customer support, which I believe I've had a chance to work very closely with our customer support team. I think they're world-class. And really what that gives is the confidence to the shipper that every package is going to be taken care of, independent of the network it goes through. And that package might pass through two or three networks, right? It might pass through a first mile, it might pass through a dedicated middle mile, it might pass through a dedicated last mile. And the recipient is going to be receiving the same customer support experience as if it was a UPS package from start to finish. And the other thing is there if if I'm the customer, if I'm the shipper, and if I do it myself and I say, hey, I want to put 10% of my packages into the post office and 20% into FedEx and 50% into UPS and 10% into the alternatives. When something goes wrong, my recipients, my re- my customers need to contact me as the shipper. I need to figure out who did this package go to. Spend a ton of time and energy in terms of resolving those customer issues. We know we're never going to be perfect. This is not a perfect industry where mistakes will happen. Packages will get lost. You just need to know that it will always be taken care of, and it was going to be taken care of from the first phone call, not the last. And what Sendel is going to be able to offer that consistent customer recipient experience, independent of the network that package passes through. So that's a lot of trust and confidence that that shipper can have with Sendle.
0: So you said the first mile through the last mile. So that means you'll go pick it up. If I wanted to, I opened a Sendle account today and I said, I'm going to ship something. You would have a driver come pick that up. Now, is there any drop-off locations or is it mostly pickup?
1: We do have, so it depends on market. So we do have drop-off locations that we work with. We work with both independent drop-off locations. We'll also work with dedicated drop-off locations. For instance, we do work with the post office in the United States. We, you can have access to SENDL services and leverage any blue box or post office location in the United States to drop off packages. In other markets, we have independent drop off locations that are not branded like a UPS store or a FedEx office or a United States Postal Service post office. So we work with independent providers as well. We've really worked with really a lot of different partner providers to build relationships and establish the ability for packages to seamlessly pass through our network.
0: Now, when you do, you guys have your own warehouses that these things will go back to and go through like sortation centers, just like a UPS or a FedEx.
1: They're not sendals, but we do work with providers that have access to warehouses. Nobody cares who owns it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just needs to work. It just needs to get to to the end recipients at a speed that is agreeable based on the services that are elected. And so we have options for all of those things.
0: Yep, and I think if you look at the post postal service USPS, now like they own, the, they're moving all sorts of stuff with with trucking companies, right? So it's not, and the challenge in all of this is the final mile is the most expensive mile typically. And why the UPS and USPS, the United States Postal Service has been so important. And I think you see FedEx and UPS, I don't know, one of the others using them for final mile because, and I think DHL uses them for final mile. There's reason there's all this cooperation among these companies because it, it is expensive to build out these networks
1: uh yeah i would say the last mile is the most expensive but what i would offer also offer for again these small shippers small parcel businesses the first mile is the most stressful oh yeah Uh, if you're shipping out of your house (laughs) it is very difficult to coordinate between all the other errands and tasks that you need to complete to coordinate with someone that can pick up packages from your house. Sendle has spent a lot of time investing in how we can make that first mile experience as simple as possible so that it is stress-free as possible. That is definitely a huge issue with small shippers. Yep. And by the way, I'll tell you something in my time at FedEx, it's still something very difficult. Residential pickups is, even for the biggest and the best that you would say are the gold standard, it's very difficult to solve residential pickups.
0: Yeah. And by the way, before we hit record, you and I were talking about UPS, the strike averted, good news. The bad news is um, we're going to see a general rate increase predicted that it's going to be 11, 12%. So if you're if you're an e-commerce company and you say, hey, we're just trying to grow a business here. And all of a sudden I, my cost went up 11, 12%. And I suggested that maybe FedEx is not going to stand still on the GRI when they see when they say UPS j- jack their rates. So we do need more options. That's, this is what keeps us all honest is we have competition.
1: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I think you'll see a, a lot of lockstep decisions between FedEx and UPS around GRIs in January. We're right around the corner from the peak surcharges and the peak rate changes that the big carriers roll out. It'll be very interesting times. We've been actually been experiencing a a period of contraction and costs, as well as contraction in the market in general. Like you've seen volumes at FedEx and UPS decline, as well as the post office, which is very unusual for a business that for the last 20 years has grown double digits year in, year out like clockwork. And so everyone got a big spur with the the pandemic, with everything going to essentially e-commerce brick and mortar being shut down for the period it was, and then it's slowed down quite a bit. And... So in a period of very high inflation, there's actually been contraction of costs in many of the, whether it's the UPS DAP program or Connected Commerce, you've seen a lot of these rates that actually been held fairly constant over the last six to 18 months. And that is not something that will last. The rates will be going up. And I think UPS is setting the stage with that high number. Maybe they're putting some feelers out in the market through paid marketing materials to say, is the market ready for an 11% rate increase? And it's definitely coming. It's in everyone's interest to find alternatives find challengers in the marketplace that can provide incremental value and do so at a price point that's uh, appealing to your small business and its growth projections projections
0: and i will also say this if you work in logistics you work with trucking companies or you work in ltl and i'm assuming it also applies to small parcel i'm not as familiar There's certain places UPS and FedEx say, this is very profitable for us. We want more of this, or it's an area where we need to get our trucks back from that location. So we are going to be very competitive in this lane. Other lanes that are like, I don't want to go there. So I'm going to raise my price accordingly. We all do that. And that's why that's having a third option is really nice because perhaps UPS doesn't want that business, FedEx doesn't want that business, USPS doesn't isn't pricing for that business, but Sendal is. That's why we need options, because you guys say, that's right up that's right in our wheelhouse. We'll take that one every damn day. And then and these other guys saying, no, thanks, not interested right now, and priced accordingly. <laughs> I, there's a, I
1: think there's a lot of changing that's happening. You, you talk a lot about some of the economies, that why, where FedEx is competing, where UPS is competing. So FedEx had pretty much walked away from the smart post value proposition, which was using the post office for last mile. And that happened about 2018, 19, I believe, was when they brought most of those deliveries in-house. So FedEx ground and home delivery drivers were now doing that last mile delivery, and they've walked away from a lot of the packages that were using the post office, which was and still is the most efficient way for last mile, right? That's still the cheapest. Uh, they're going to your house to drop off mail. It's still the cheapest way to get a package to your doorstep. The other thing that came out of the UPS agreement was, uh, and this was more in uh, end of June, um, was that the UPS SurePost, which is essentially the analogous va- value proposition that FedEx SmartPost was, again, UPS first mile, moves through the UPS network, and then delivered by the post office for last mile. That volume, for the most part, is going to be moved into UPS delivery by the uh, Teamsters um, through this the most recent labor relations and contract negotiations. That will also drive costs up. So you can see it with FedEx. FedEx has gotten much more expensive on their cheapest rates. And yeah, I think you're going to see a very similar behavior. So while you might see 11% on average, I do think that the customers that are most accustomed to the cheapest rates will see more than 11% and, and we'll see more dramatic rate increases. And so that plays directly into... The space that Senda works in, that small e-commerce space that we need to make sure that we protect these companies because they're not Amazon behemoths. They are your neighbors. They could be your friends. They're side hustles. They're Etsy marketplaces. They're eBay stores that make up this landscape of what is the small shipper contingent.
0: They don't have the clout because they don't have that volume, so they can't throw their weight around. If you're Amazon, you can go, hey, I want this, and the world... listens. (laughs) Listens, <laughs> if, if you're if you're a, a, a new e-commerce company, no one's necessarily listening, other than the fine folks at Sendle, of course. Now let's talk about your network. You got we talked about first mile, we talked about last mile. Who works with you guys?
1: So we work a lot of partner. Are you talking? Uh, let me ask a follow up. Are you asking who are some of our like carrier providers or who are some of our
0: like you, don't mention, you don't need to have. mention names. I'm just trying to understand who's the, what kind of companies are doing the moving of the your stuff.
1: Yeah, so no, and that's why we work with regional carriers in the United States. We've have uh, longstanding relationships with Better Trucks, GLS, the Post Office, LSO. We've worked with uh, as well in the United States and others we work with multiple carriers in canada multiple carriers obviously in australia keep the target audience here in the u.s but that's a supply uh, supplier base that's growing or we're always looking to find new partners new relationships uh, to be able to extend our network we work with dhl we work uh, with a lot of uh, potential players out there and we think that there are pieces of the value proposition within each of these carriers that make a lot of sense for our customer base and for sendo and we feel that we can provide access to those networks that creates a great relationship and a, and a shared partnership between us and those suppliers. It allows them to continue to focus on larger accounts to to win business of trailer volume. And we can bring volume that matches your, their normal production footprint. Yeah. That it, and so we're a sales channel for them. And, and so we found that we have really strong relationships with those partners. And then we work with a ton of the technology players, everything from where you would sh- build and host a website to we're working with even any of the marketplaces like the eBay or an Etsy marketplace or Shopify or any of those types of, 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 marketplaces that are out there as well as any of the transportation software providers. And I'll put that under the, the umbrella of a ship station or any of the Octane solutions. They're all great partners that, that Sendl works with because we add value to their business and they add values to ours because that's all not one solution is enough in in this day and age to manage the entirety of a logistics business from inventory supply chain through to the delivery.
0: Yep. And I think we're all used to the idea that you need to partner up. And if I'm shipping through Sendle, I don't have to worry ever that you're going to say, oh, yeah, actually, Joe, one of our carrier, our partner carriers has that. That's their problem. Call them. When I work with you guys, it's all Sendle. You have you have behind the scenes, all those partnerships and all those operational relationships that we don't have to worry about. <laughs> That's right. We'll tell you, don't worry, Joe, we got you taken care
1: of. We will make all the phone calls, work on your behalf. We like to say sometimes we're your part-time logistics office, right? We are, when you don't have the ability to afford three dedicated employees to support your supply chain and logistics, Sendel can be that part-time workforce for you. We got you taken care of you call us we'll take care of it we'll get back with you with the resolution and the answer so you can keep working on building your brand your customer acquisition channels making sure that you have a, a top class product that continues to grow
0: now let me ask this i think i saw on your website do you guys do international we do
1: yes nice so we work international in all three of our markets we have international offerings
0: inbound and outbound
1: Dedicated outbound, we will work with partners that have like international consolidation into the U S or into Canada or into Australia. So we do work, we partner up with those providers to provide a portion of that supply chain from manufacturing in Southeast Asia through to whether it's shipping or, you know, airline transportation, United States, and through to what we'll manage is essentially the end to end transportation of that package in market partners Mm -hmm. to provide that. Yeah.
0: I love it. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up uh, again one more time. Who's the sweet spot for you guys? Who do you serve best?
1: Yeah, we serve we serve small businesses that are out there growing. Anyone from shipping one package a month to a couple thousand packages a month is what we try to define as our sweet spot customer. That our services are built for. Those are the solutions that you need. We're highly focused on making sure that uh, you're taken care of and 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 supported. I think the solutions are much different if you're shipping hundreds of thousands of packages a day. And so we're really keen on on making sure that we've aligned and optimized our solutions for that, really that small and growing business segment of the United States.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, Tyler, people who are killing it in this space. Who else should I interview?
1: Sure. I got lots of friends. A couple <laughs> I think I, I would recommend you reaching out to. I'm a big proponent of our friends at Better Trucks. I think they're doing some really innovative things and growing in a market time that's been contracting, their regional carrier. Uh, Josh Fredman's uh, a very smart, talented individual that's working uh, diligently over there to help grow that business. And then I'd also throw out, I think there's some really interesting technology providers that are creating new solutions and providing connection, additional connection points between customer and suppliers. And uh, so it's a company called CloudSort. i have worked very closely with some of those individuals in the past. Heidi Gopinski or Derek Zopa are two brilliant individuals I think would be very interesting for you to interview.
0: I will reach out to both Derek and Josh. And if I can't get them through LinkedIn, I will bug you for their email address. No problem. So, Tyler, what conferences will we see you and the fine folks from Sendel at?
1: The next one coming up is Parcel Forum. So we'll definitely be there, attended. And uh, Where is that? Uh, that one's in Nashville this year. So it's a great location. So I'd love to be able to travel down to Nashville. It's a good time. That one's coming up in uh, September. So just next month. Now that it is officially August 1st, I uh, can't believe to be saying that, but you, you'll see Sendle typically at most of the conferences, things like Manifest or Home Delivery World. Oh, I'll be at um, Manifest. We, we are fairly well attended in those industry conferences, but look forward to seeing anyone and everyone at Parcel Forums. That's a pretty big attended event here coming up in a
0: couple yep. weeks. It's never hard for Manifest to convince us Midwestern people that we should leave the Midwest for Vegas for a, a few days. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a really <laughs> tough style. It's very hard to convince
0: us. Yeah, when I was there, somebody says, oh, you're going to need more than a, a fleece. I was like, I'm leaving Michigan to come here. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm going to leave my coat at home. Exactly. Uh, They Actually, you can check your coat at the Milwaukee airport now. You can actually coat (laughs) check because everyone leaves Milwaukee and they have these gigantic coats and you're not going to go to Puerto Rico with a puffer jacket. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always have left it in my car. You have to make that mad dash and be cold. But anyway, enough of my blather. Tyler, I love what you guys are doing. Very cool. I've been trying to get Sendal on my podcast for a long time. So I'm glad I finally was able to get one of you guys to come and talk to us. Glad to do it. And I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward.